Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, and Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And uh, Noel, you know what I'm excited for this week. Is it completely redoing your taxes? It's completely redoing my taxes because yeah. listeners, a company that will remain nameless, uh, decided to send me my 1099 now in the second to last week of February, even though they're they're due in January. Because if you're a big enough corporation, you can just like pay all the fines and it's no big deal uh some of us already turned in our taxes so now i get to spend all weekend doing them again I'm not very excited Yay. about this but maybe this will keep me from watching the nevada or nevada returns though like throughout the day and that'll probably yeah. be better for my mental health so maybe it's a good thing maybe but i mean you could also just have the returns on while you're doing your taxes why did you put this idea in my head? Now that's definitely going to happen. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm here for. I, I am Thomas Lennon at the end of, uh, at the beginning of next week's Supergirl. That's me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mixlepidolic. <laughs> Very nice. I, didn't they already, they already did Mixlepidolic in, in that, that cheesy, like, he was trying to woo Supergirl episode. So I guess this is a post-crisis Earth Prime new Mixlepidolic, right? Am I miss? remembering this i don't remember i feel like they did do him already but i legitimately don't remember and really do we care because thomas lennon is delightful right I, that's kind of what it boils down to yeah 100th episode and all um well we are going to be talking about super a, a little bit later in the show but before we get there uh we had a few things we wanted to to touch base on one was Thank you, Noel, for indulging me so I could bitch about my taxes. So basically, sure. listeners, freelancers out there, even if you've already gotten a 1099 from everyone, wait, because maybe you're going to get a second 1099 from the same publication. That could happen. Yeah. That's yeah. what happens when your publication gets purchased at some point in the well, year. you know, if we're going to be very someone else. Yeah. completely unsubtle about it. Yeah, that can happen. Anyways. Yeah. I've, I'm going to have to deal with that for this year. For, for 2020 taxes so mm -hmm. i'm not looking forward to that yeah it's, yeah i feel like you think at a certain point you're done learning all the stupid things you didn't know that you should have known that when you realize that you go like well of course i should have realized that at a certain age and no you know coming no. up on 35 this july no still still learning that so oh well i guess it's better than not learning um this week you know i have to have a good week until that until that fun news yeah. today because Noel, did you watch the Democratic presidential primary debate this week? I watched the first hour of it because um, my partner was baking cookies and she, she has been very resistant to watching any of the debates. Mm -hmm. um, but she was just like, okay, I kind of want to see what happens to Bloomberg. So I'm going to go bake cookies in the other room, but I can hear it. And that'll be enough, and you can watch it. And then I was just like, cool. So we watched it for an hour, and then we watched Legends of Tomorrow mm -hmm. after an hour. Uh, because I think that's a good good use of, like, splitting your time and everything. Um, but it also meant that we got the best hour. Yeah. Well, see, because I didn't set a recording for it, so I didn't think, I mean, I didn't think of that. But uh, I was able to watch the, like, from the 35-ish minute on. Um, uh -huh. and, and see the rest of it. And I've been told I need to start at the beginning. Yeah, you can't, it's, it's a story that you need to start at the beginning. 
It's an episode that yeah, you don't want to jump yeah. in the middle. You don't you want to jump into the, the context. You do. Um, but no, I was gonna say you guys picked good first debate then because Noel, it was giving me life. It was yes. so delicious. I got out of teaching and I had a text on my phone saying, uh, "Elizabeth is on fire." And it will not surprise listeners to know I am a I am a, a supporter of Elizabeth Warren. Um, and I was like, okay. And then I went to Twitter, as I so often do, to, just to see if there's anything, you know, I should know, you know, before I get into my car. Um, and and there were, like, clips. And, and the first one was that delicious, delicious, like, one-two stab punch of Buttigieg and Klobuchar over healthcare. And I was just yes. like, oh, you, you are kidding. They hate each other so much. She's just going for the jug. And then the, the next clip that autoplayed was the NDA thing. And so I was like, okay, yes. no more spoilers, Twitter, because <laughs> this is clearly amazing. I need to... Now, obviously, we can, I can just sit here and gush about how much I really enjoy Elizabeth Warren, despite, you know, all of the candidates have problematic, capital P, problematic issues. But, like... But that's not the purpose of the the podcast, unless you want to, in which case I've already gushed. You're welcome to to take the mic for a little bit. But on a TV level, I felt like yeah. it was very it was very interesting because the, the the moderators did not do a particularly good job. No, they were really terrible. But it was still entertaining TV because they decided that they needed to show up and actually, you know air the the differences between the candidates and the reasons, like point out the reasons that they you know, or might be a better candidate than some of these other people. Because if they don't do that shit now, it's just gonna hamstring whoever the final nominee is. So, uh, yeah, some people didn't didn't like it. They thought it was too, uh, they thought it was too harsh or or impolitic. But I thought it was drastically overdue and uh, refreshing. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a couple of like television related things I think that we can dive into quickly here um but yes no the entire thing gave me life as well um our house is also a warring establishment um and so my partner i've been a little frustrated by the fact that she just peaked too soon <laughs> um yeah um her coming back um hopefully coming back knock on wood um in terms in, in a national sense um is what we're hoping for based out of this debate performance because yeah just watching her just like eviscerate michael bloomberg was it just it was just deeply deeply rewarding um in no small part because and i don't i'm sure like you're getting this as well and this kind of gets to like the larger like television aspect of it is that bloomberg has just been blanketing states with ads I'm getting them in Illinois. In Illinois. Come on. Right. Uh, listeners, if you're not from Illinois, we don't usually get presidential things because it's just such a secure blue state that, like, nobody spends in a meaningful way in Illinois, usually. Right. And Washington's basically the same. Like, I mean, Washington's, like, status as a mostly blue state is carried by the Puget Sound region for the most part because the other half is very firmly uh, Republican-based. Mm -hmm. Like Illinois and Chicago, yeah. Right, exactly. And it's basically the same thing here, where the Seattle-Tacoma-Everett corridor is basically carries it. Um, but the thing, but we're getting them, like, ad nauseum here, which is just weird. Even though, like, the CW, we're just, like, we're getting Michael Bloomberg ads, and we don't, it's just so many. And it's just because you can pay for all of them. And it's really interesting in terms of a type of approach of, like, campaigning and whatnot but the other reason to bring this up is that i think in part because of the fact that bloomberg had basically blanketed 
the rest of the country that was in Iowa or New Hampshire with television ads or also YouTube ads. Cause I even got YouTube ads for him on stuff I watch and it's just really frustrating. It's like algorithm. I thought you knew me better than that. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, no, that, that is not what I want. I don't care that Tacoma's mayor has endorsed him for some awful reason. Almost 20 million people watch this debate, which is, that's is huge. Absorb- it's huge. It's really, really, really big. It's the most watched democratic debate of all time. No one has watched. That's just an in- incredible number. Now, listeners, granted, this aired on NBC as well as MSNBC, but for yeah. some context, like the highest rated episodes of the Rachel Maddow show, which is the highest rated like primetime show on M- MSNBC, like that, their highest rated episodes are like four to maybe getting closer to five million. Like, yeah, that they've ever had. So yeah. 20 million viewers, obviously between MSNBC and NBC, but still, that yes. is a lot. It's a lot of people. And I chalk a lot of it up to the fact that Bloomberg has just blanketed everything. Mm-hmm. Um, like people were tuning in basically, I think, to see him. Um, since in no small part, since he hasn't been campaigning really up until really recently, he's an unknown quantity to anyone that's not in New York City. Mm-hmm. Or isn't following it closely. Yeah. Right. Um, whereas everyone in New York City goes, fuck that guy. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> which is what the debate became, because everyone immediately just like, just took turns at punching him. Um, and I'm genuinely curious about what happens to him going forward, since he's real bad on TV. He's just aggressively bad on TV. Yeah, his Vegas odds went down 13% since the debate, and his his national uh, favorability went down 20%. Yeah, and it's so fascinating, because this is sort of like, the fact that 20 million people tuned in for a debate kind of speaks to what we were sort of like trying to figure out in terms of like, how are we engaging people? Um, but also, like, the national conversation. What is it right now? And just the fact that this is the answer of, okay, we're all going to beat up on this billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> I think is good. But we'll all, I'm really curious about what, again, like, you, you mentioned, like, this poll number is going down. But, like, I think just how debates used to be sort of things that change the discourse around a candidate whether it's nixon's really poor debate with jfk and looking really flop sweaty and shiny um admittedly this was in the 1960s and jfk looking Mm -hmm. really really polished um or just i know so and so and you're no so and so with ronald reagan and all these kinds of things that are big sort of touchstone moments for politics and discourse things of now it's like what does this mean? How does this work? Is this still a viable thing? Or is the South Carolina debate like late next week just going to be nothing? So I'm really curious. And I think it's really interesting. I also think it made for really good TV in terms of just watching people that either really hate each other, like Buttigieg and Klobuchar just clearly do. Um, or watching how Warren, who has watched her, seen herself just fade out of the discourse as a result of Iowa and New Hampshire, be like, oh, no, I've got a billionaire I can beat up on. That's my whole thing. Thank you. She'd be like, hey, guys, I'm still here, and I'm currently in third place for yes. the delegate count, so yeah. why don't you I, s- I talk about me, please? <laughs> yes, exactly. So I think that yeah. this is really good. Um, and the last closing thing is that I kind of want to mention an actual other TV related thing is that, uh, I hate Joel at, I hate Joel Kim on Twitter. 
uh, tweeted, As punishment for wasting our time, Pete and Amy should be forced to compete together on The Amazing Race. <laughs> to which Tyler Oakley <laughs> replied, They wouldn't last one layover. And just, I need that to happen, Kate. I need the two mm-hmm. of them to be on The Amazing Race after this is done. Because they would die. They would kill yeah. each other. And <laughs> I just, I can't not want that now. Yeah. What was the most fun for me around that dynamic was watching in real time as people who haven't like been tuned into this stuff and who are from the coasts discover Midwest and Minnesota nice. Oh, God. Yeah. No, it's it's basically the same as Southern nice. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I feel it. (laughs) Yeah. It's like they're so polite, but it's like every single word is so barbed and edged and there's so much subtext. Is this like normal? And then just like all the replies, (laughs) teehee, oh, oh, bless your heart. Right. Exactly. Bless your heart. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Uh, I very much have been enjoying the comedy coming out of this like the the bits and the the um i'm sure there'll be different segments on it um next week and and such yeah next week because most of the late night shows took this week off and just like oh you poor poor saps i needed an (laughs) snl cold open on this i really did uh just to see what kate mckinnon would do are they not um, on this week oh i assumed not but maybe they are i don't know I don't remember. I'm not, you know, I, I watched last week because of RuPaul. And mm-hmm. so I, I, this week I don't remember who's hosting, but I, it's not someone I'm particularly engaged with. So we'll see. We'll, we, I, we, we will find out. But yeah, it was just really, it was really interesting and entertaining. Given the bump that Klobuchar got out of her strong debate, debate performance before the New Hampshire primary, there, this could be a good thing for Warren. Um, I mean, Bloomberg isn't on the ballot in Nevada, Nevada, so it won't impact him there. But um, but the thing is that there's been so much early voting already, like half the state has already, the anticipated voters have already voted. So it might not actually end up helping her all that much um, in Nevada, but it did help them raise like $7 million, six or $7 million in 24 hours. Yeah, I, I contributed 15 bucks to that. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people did. It was like, it was like a tip, like tip your servers at the yes. drag brunch, right? Yeah, kind exactly. Of situation. It's just like, oh, yeah, no, I should have given you money sooner, but I'm also poor. But yeah. also, um, yeah. But also was... this just gave me life. So yeah. here's yeah. five bucks. I'm going to give you 15 bucks. Yeah, I can do that. Ooh, maybe you'll get a call. You you ha- you must tell us if you get a call. I'm not going to get a call, but no, um, probably not. Statistically, yeah. probably not. But you know, anyways. Um, so that was uh an interesting and like I have not been watching the, most of the debates. I watched some of the last couple, um, and I certainly watched the first one. But uh, yeah, it was very much the energy has always been. Yes, we have our differences, but really, any of us would be um would be would we we all endorse all of us. Even yeah. the big differences we have until Bloomberg showed up. And then it was just everybody. Being, we endorse all of us, but not that guy. Fuck that yes. guy. <laughs> and so we'll see what happens at the next debate. I anticipate lower viewing numbers, but um, who yeah. knows? After this, maybe not. Yeah. <sighs> this week at the end of the show, we are talking about a very different team dynamic uh, with Netflix's Cheer, which is a six episode docuseries um, that d- dropped earlier this year. That's going to be super fun. Because uh, when you think team competitive sports, 
You think Nolan Kate, you think the Televerse, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, we're, I mean, we, we, we've done some sports related stuff and you love Friday Night Lights. Well, yes, I do. Yeah, no, it'll be an interesting discussion. That's coming at the end of the show. Um, but for now, uh, there was karaoke and Supergirl. So you know that had to be your musical choice. Let's take a break and listen to some, uh, Africa (laughs) performed by Melissa Benoist and Stesnayer on Supergirl. We'll be right back after this with our weekend TV. That was Africa uh, performed in a not as good as they can actually sing version, in a character real version as opposed to actor yeah. real version this week on Supergirl by Melissa Benoist and Staz Nair. Um, I... Nair Nair, I'm, I apologize if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, actor who plays William. Uh, this week in TV, we're going to kick things off with the return of last week tonight for season seven, uh, which, with their big uh, Medicare for All episode. Then we'll talk a little bit about Schitt's Creek, Moira Rose, and then Star Wars The Clone Wars is back for season seven with The Bad Batch. Talk about that one before we go over to the CW shows with uh, Batwoman, Take Your Choice, and Supergirl, Back from the Future, uh, part two, and then, of course, The Flash, a girl named Sue, and then we'll round things out with Doctor Who, The Haunting of Villa Diodati. So first is Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, and I mean, if you're going to come back, we were kind of, you know, we, we had some thoughts about the way they ended season six with the census, and um, you know, for me, it, it was like a good topic, but it was a bit of like uh, an underwhelming final episode. I, I think to, to come back for season seven would be like, okay, short sleeves up, Medicare for all, let's do it, uh, was yeah. a terrific way to kick off the season. And as someone who supports Medicare for all, you know, I loved it. Uh, what did you think of, of this topic choice and also then how the Oliver and his writers handled it? Yeah, I think it's a good topic choice. I think that it's also in line with where the show has been sort of tracking lately with has been a really heavy emphasis on the medical, I guess, the medical industrial complex um within the united states from various things that they've covered and discussed and so i think that really they've been building to doing medicare medicare for all for since like last season um and i think that just how the show is structured they just decided to premiere with it with season seven and i think that overall it's a really good sort of approach but it's also a really sort of heavy advocacy push as well, which I mean they're they're com- they're completely prone to. They do a lot, um, but this I think was much more bashedly a no. It's good. <laughs> it's all and all, the main the main critiques of it are stupid, <laughs> <laughs> which I love because I and 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 not just because I agree with that, but also right. because I feel like in all of this discussion, we were talking about the debate earlier, and all this discussion around healthcare, 
certain arguments are brought up to be against Medicare for All. And I think there are arguments you can make. I disagree with them. But there are arguments you can make. And instead, the arguments that get made are very stupid. <laughs> so I yes. appreciated those arguments being highlighted here. Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of the key thing. Like, I really liked how they handled this concept of, oh, well, then you're just going to have to wait a while to, like, get care. And it's like, mm, no, people people wait a long time for care just in different ways. Yeah. As and someone who's had also, to schedule some doctor's appointments, let me tell you. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah. Oh, no, you have to wait three extra months for your knee replacement. Yeah, but you know what? Then the knee replacement is free. I, yes. you know, I know lots of people who would happily take that. Most right. of the people I know who have need, need knee replacements would happily take that. And, like, that's the other thing is, like, most of the time the waiting list is related to major, like, surgery type things. For, like, any sort of, like, regular doctor's visit, the wait is not a wait. Mm-hmm. The idea that you have to wait so long to see someone is built is still a part of the current American system. We just pretend it's not. Um, but they're also their concept of people delaying things because they can't afford it is a type of waiting. And I really like that the show makes that argument because it recontextualizes it. So I really liked that aspect of it. I thought it was just really well laid out and it made a really kind of, I think, strong case uh, for Medicare for All. I actually expected them to come in with a uh, thing about citizenship since he just got like dual citizenship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but maybe knock on wood, or if they haven't done that already. Um, I can't remember if they've done path to citizenship stuff. They probably have. I assume, um, I mean, considering yeah. he'll be voting, I imagine yeah. that this will be a at least a topic that comes up, if not a bit of a theme at the start of, you know, throughout the primaries or then again in the fall. So hopefully it will be, but I also, like, I also don't know when they filmed this. So yeah, no, I expect it'll probably cycle into the discussion at some point. Um, we'll see, though. We'll see. Um, next up is Schitt's Creek, Moira Rose. And, uh, I, we've been rather lackluster. Like, in, I mean, I, I'm very much enjoying Schitt's Creek. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. not having much to say about it this season. Uh, but I, I did particularly en- <laughs> enjoy the return to Herb Ertlinger's uh, fruit wine uh, vineyard and, and then just watching David and Moira completely fail to uh, find any sort of fruit wine that is just potable as as moira says so that was i thought pretty charming i would have liked more time for the exercise cult uh which i thought was well uh, handled in the amount of time they had but could have been certainly like a full episode if not like a bit of a like a, a runner with an eventual reveal of that class um but no it was it was fun <laughs> this was a strong episode i thought Right, and I, I agree. I think that this is actually probably like the best episode of the season mm-hmm. um, in terms of how it does a really good job of layering the David-Moira relationship and then paralleling like the idea of David and Patrick against Johnny and Moira and the ways in which they basically, David and Patrick sort of mirror them, mirror Johnny and Moira, which is something I hadn't really thought about really until this episode and then just went oh that's that is deeply deeply accurate and really really lovely on a show level for them to both do that but then acknowledge it and point it out and the ways in which that works um so i think generally that just the character interactions from the rosé tastings to the inability for them to have a conversation johnny and pat uh johnny and um 
Patrick to have a conversation uh, during the baseball game. I think just those two plots, I think, were just really, really good and really, really lovely. Uh, so I really liked it. Um, I do agree that I think that there could have been like a runner with the exercise cult. But at the same time, like they just stuff so they just stuff so many jokes into that plot of ah, I, I got all the cassette tapes, but now I have to buy their special player to play them. And it's just like, yes, <laughs> but no, Twilight, no, but also yes. <laughs> and just Twilight assuming everyone, of course, we all know it's a cult, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, no, I figured I'm just trying to support you. And I just went, oh, Twilight, you're so good. Mm-hmm. You're so good. Um, So, no, I, I thought that it was a good sort of relief valve to the rest of the episode as it were because it needed something really really silly i always think the episodes that have and just this dynamic of like i'm gonna sit down the romantic interest and have a talk with them i always find that so strange because what is that like if it's a welcome to the family talk i think that makes sense but that's not what this was this was a don't you hurt my boy talk and i mean we know patrick Johnny knows Patrick yeah. at this point. That's yeah. stupid to feel like that's a conversation he needs to have or should have. Yeah. So like it is. I, I thought what they actually ended up doing worked really well, but it was just very strange to me. Like this dynamic of like the notion that a talk is expected or uh, appropriate. Um, yeah. As opposed to just a thing that Roland is fixated on because he's Roland. Right. Yeah. Don't listen to Roland. Um, but it still sort of gave them that really nice moment and mm-hmm. gave Eugene Levy is particularly like a lot of really quiet stuff to do that I really, really enjoyed that this show has been very good about giving him to do. And I think that this episode is a really good example of that kind of work that he's done on this show really consistently. Yeah. The timing throughout the game was delightful. Yeah. Super fun. It's just really good. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Oh, oh come yeah. on guys. What are we, uh, what are we doing out there? <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. It was good times. Um, over at star Wars, clone wars, we had the bad batch when this is, I mean, the show's been on hiatus for a while, so it's, it's back for season seven and I'm sure you're very excited. It got a revival season. Yeah. yeah. One last go. <laughs> um, yeah, so what did you think about Bad Batch? And I thought it was solid. I thought it was fun. Yeah. Um, I It's been so long that I'm forgetting who Echo is, even though I know I'm supposed right. to remember. Sure. And so I'll have to do some Googling on that. But um, otherwise, I mean, it's... I enjoy the Clone Wars. It, I don't connect with it as strongly as you do, but... Sure. But, I, you know, it's super fun, and this is more of the same. That, that I always enjoy the clones, like Rex, and, and, and the way that Cody. they're... Yeah, thank you. And the way that they're drawn and the voice performances and, and all of that. So uh, the the design of the spider thing was super creepy and fun. And, and it looks like they're setting up a, a fun final final arc here. But uh, yeah, centering on the clones is the way to go because centering on Anakin is just not going to lead to anything good. So because um, where we are in the narrative. So yeah, it was it was a fun reboot, or, or not reboot, but like restart to the series. And hopefully some people who, you know, have been sleeping on this show for some reason, uh, which I didn't know were so many people, but based on Twitter, there's a lot of you out there, will uh, catch up with it and watch this episode and get intrigued to, to go back and watch seasons one through six. Because yeah. I should not be more up on Clone Wars than people who are actually invested in Star Wars. And <laughs> that seems to be the... I mean, like, I'm not trying to bash Star Wars or anything, but I am not a stan. I enjoy it very much, but I am not a stan. I shouldn't be more aware of Clone Wars than people who really 
love the mythos and love the world. Um, and yet, apparently, there are many for whom that is the case. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is prequel baggage in mm-hmm. terms of, oh, this is something associated with the prequels. Also animation baggage. Also animation baggage. It's for kids. And I just go, oh, let me show you this four-part arc that's about Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And then you can we can have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Echo, to provide new context, but also listeners who may have watched and forgotten, Echo died in the big citadel arc where they break into the prison to break out someone tarkins in Mm -hmm. that arc um that was in like season three and i don't remember if i recommended you watching that or not when we Mm didn't make you watch a thought i think i did because it's a really good arc i Um, it sounds familiar it's just it's yeah it's been a while so right yeah no it's been a year yeah it's been like a year or so so it's all right either way so there's that aspect of it um but also don't google it because apparently this entire arc has leaked in some way, shape, or form, and oh. the entirety of it is on Star Wars Wikipedia. So okay. don't Google it. Don't don't do it. Like the entire okay. thing is there with unfinished artwork from the show. So like it's not fully rendered. Yeah. Um, but it's all from the show. And it's like, that's really weird. And who got this? And why are you posting it? It hasn't aired yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know what happens this arc. Um, the spider character, Trench, is actually a recurring bad guy on the show. I just don't think I gave you any episodes that he was on. Yeah. Because you'd remember that guy because he's creepy. Um, (laughs) but he's also, like, he's actually one of, like, the smarter, like, uh, separatist generals. He's actually, like, really, really good. Um, so I was actually really happy to see him in this. Um, but I really liked this episode. Um, I really liked the whole 80s action hero A-team vibe that the Bad Batch slash group of defective clones um bring to it um and i like all of them a lot already they're all just delightful um and to your point about like the vocal performances is like this is all d bradley baker doing all of this um and he's always done a really good job of differentiating the clones um especially the ones that we're like familiar with and so this continues here as he really does very different voices for each of the Bad Batch group, especially compa- both internally as a group, but also compared to this the regs, the regular troopers. Uh, so I'm really excited to see what they do for this arc, um, which I think is about three to four episodes long, before we dive into seeing what Ahsoka's been up to, which I think is the next arc, which I'm very excited about as well. Um, the only other thing I'll say, since you brought him up and brought up not focusing on Anakin... But Kate, his hair is full, just <laughs> about to be Revenge of the Sith hair. And I'm just so excited about that. Um, I was talking to my friend Danielle, and she was just like, no, like, the only thing you need to know about where you are and to orient yourself in the chronology of Star Wars Clone Wars is, what does Anakin's hair look like? Because, <laughs> because it shifts really, really nicely, which is also something that, like, an animated show when you have the budget you can do that but it's just like yeah it's it's just full revenge of the sith hair almost and it's just like yes into my brain into my eyes just all of it please and thank you so i'm very excited i am just so upset that it's dropping week to week yeah the only time i'm upset about this um But I'm I'm eager for more, and I'm very excited about the rest of this uh, season and the survival. And like you said, hopefully between The Mandalorian 
and just kind of the buzz around the Mandalorian and its connection to the Clone Wars. I'm hoping that, like I said, uh, when we discussed Mandalorian a bit, that people are going to like check out the Clone Wars a bit more um, because it's really, really good. And I already enumerated the reasons why, and I can just talk about it yeah. ad nauseum, so I yeah. won't. <laughs> and instead, I'm going to sit, take a sip of water while you either add things about this or we go and discuss our next show. Well, let's let's talk about Batwoman a little bit. Take your choice. And the I mean, there's one thing to talk about in this episode besides some like some good performances and some interesting things and we still really like Mary. Um, but what do you think of the choice? I mean, we're going to I'm giving a little I'm being hesitant here so that anyone who has going to watch Batwoman who is behind can skip ahead. Yes. But eh, spoilers ahoy, what do you think of the choice to kill off Beth? Cuz it's like for me, there's so much more story here. Why are we why are we capping this story with this important character moment? But like I just I I think it's because I just don't care about Alice even a little bit. And yes. and I was so much more interested in the dynamic when Beth was in the mix and the different options that that presented itself and certainly the the material it was giving the actor to play. That just going back to a similar but more antagonistic take on the beginning of the season is very not interesting to me. So uh, w- yeah. what did you think of this choice? No, I'm in full agreement with you. I think that this decision really kind of robs the show of what was a really kind of promising um, narrative and emotional momentum. And that oh, for... Yes, Kate is motivated in part because Alice is her sister and is destroying Gotham. But how does that change when you have your sister back? Like, do you need to put on that cowl? What does this mean to you? Even if you're a paragon of whatever she is, courage, I think. Um, What does it mean when the thing that sort of like propelled you forward isn't quite a thing anymore? And the show just can't do that leap because we have to do... They can't exist in the same Earth because they're from different Earths, etc., etc., etc. And it's just like, but but you know to go to the Flash or Supergirl to help you. There's no time. It's just like, they're faster than speeding bullets or the speed of light. Mm-hmm. And you don't know that Cisco's on a weird, I have to find out everything that's different walkabout. Yeah. <laughs> Go talk to someone else. Mm-hmm. You're all on the same planet, but this gets us into larger things about like Black Lightning and all these almost entirely white people not helping take Freeland from being under the domed by a shady like, federal. Yeah, like like call up Cisco and have him open a breach so you're so Beth can just go and chill in Central City for a while. Like yeah. that's like a really easy way to get around a blockade, you know, or or yeah. police search. Yeah. So it's just a little, it's a little frustrating on that level. And normally I don't get caught up in that kind of thing with superhero like narratives, but it's just silly in this case. It just feels weird. And it, like you said, it short circuits anything that was really compelling about what they were setting up over these past two episodes to just reset to like you, and you said, and I think that this is really spot on, just a more antagonistic version of where we were before the crossover. That's it. It's not necessary because they were already at that point. Like Kate was already at that point with, um, what's her name's death with Mary's mom's death, Catherine. 
um, who I really appreciated popping up in this episode as like a vision. Um, I thought that was really, really good deployment of that character to like appear. Um, I thought that was really, really good, but it just serves a really unnecessary purpose of resetting itself of we're going to do this big thing. And then we're just going to not do it anymore. And I just went, but no keeper because it's more interesting and it's more compelling and it does other things. And it frees up that actor to just do something else. So it was frustrating. um, And I wasn't happy about it. What did you think about the reveal regarding Mouse's dad, which I kind of appreciated? Yeah, no, it made sense. It's like, this is why you cast this actor. (laughs) Right. No, exactly. It's exactly why you cast that actor. Um, (laughs) But it does kind of help elevate this mouse plot. Now that like, things are like escalating for the villains in a way that while they're sort of deflating for the heroes in a way. No, I absolutely agree. And it was like, you you are too well known to be this character. So there's something else going. Ah, that's what's happening. Okay. That makes sense. Um, And actually like, I enjoy the actor who plays the mouse's dad. He's very good, but I was looking forward to more like evil, (laughs) like scheming, you know, performance from the actor playing this the the surgeon because he's yeah. just very good at that. He's always yes, he is very reliable whenever he shows up. I was actually a little bit excited about to see him play just like a normal dude, and then the reveal because <laughs> like, yeah, no, I was wrong. <laughs> there's, there's a reason they always call you for this because you're very good at the other things, but you're just particularly delicious in this this like role within the the dynamic. Uh, so yeah, that that made sense. I am waiting for more information on you know, what he knows and how much he knows to, to find yeah. them and everything. But, um, for now it's a good, it's a good twist and a good way to shake things up. Um, but yeah, I just, I am hoping to be more excited by what they, you know, like for them to have some things planned that we don't know about that will get interesting. I do need them to tell Mary though. Cause it's like, you told Beth, you can tell Mary. Yeah. And also pretty sure mary has figured it out already she has to have right right, right. can they give her the well duh yeah like, no reaction? that should be her reaction when they tell her is like yeah i'm not stupid <laughs> uh well speaking of over on supergirl we had back from the future part two and the i'm not stupid is the, the viewership we're not stupid and yet the writers keep insisting and producers keep insisting on setting up really bad love interests for Kara. Well, let's let's quickly correct um, really bad male love interests. She's got a perfectly good female love interest right over there. <laughs> She's she has a love interest. And it's like it's just so like I just don't trust the writers of this show to follow through. Because if I did, I would have, it would be like, yeah, this episode is setting up Kara and Lena. Because all of the, well, I couldn't make things work with Lena, so why should I even bother with this other romance? I mean, the only romance I was talking about, friendship. I mean, it's yeah. just so blatant. And they go, they yes. hit that note several times in this episode. Uh, so if at the end of the season, they actually commit to a queer couple with the two of them, then, okay, fair enough. But... I don't trust the writers. They're going to follow through. And instead, they just keep setting up these terrible love interests. This episode tried to make us, Noel, as you wrote in our notes, tried to make us like William through through karaoke, which was, you know, that that's digging deep, right? And it didn't, it did actually make me like William more, but it does not make me like him as a romantic partner right, for Kara yeah. at all. 
because they have no chemistry. Just like she had barely any chemistry with Monel and zero chemistry with James. They are zero for three in in my book with these love interests. At least there's some a little bit of chemistry, even though they totally bungled the Monel thing. And if if only because those actors are now married, so clearly there's some actual chemistry there. But when you look at how this show has handled its romances, they have just never matched what they what they what they set up in the early seasons with Supercore and with Sanders. And I don't know why they keep insisting on going to romance as a storyline if they can't do better either with casting or with writing. Yeah, and I think a lot of it just like comes down to writing, especially with this show. None of it's compelling. They can't figure out what Kara would necessarily be attracted to in Mm -hmm. a romantic partner sometimes, I feel like. And I think that that just really kind of comes down to the fact that they have generally sort of given up on what does Kara want as Kara? Yeah, who is Kara? Who is Kara? And when you don't know that answer, you can't fill in the rest of the blanks. And so as a result, we just get these kind of meh, meh, meh. And there are elements of it that I think work better with Monel than they have in the past. I think they're the, he's the most successful of the potentials or the actuals because they do get involved. But I think that it's just really telling that they still don't get how to do their actual intended romantic interests as romantic interests. And the answer is stop doing it. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's just, it's frustrating and it's silly and it just, I don't buy it. Um, so now that that part's out of the way, what did you think about like the resolution of the toy man stuff? Um, in particular, like um, dad shot um, coming back um, just, and yeah. And, and the fact that Alex is quit the DEO? I think question mark. Yeah. I kind of I kind of I kind of missed how quickly that decision got made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that happened real quick. Um I think that's for the best for the show with Lex in charge of the DEO. I think you can't have your heroes you know following his beck and call. Um yeah. and I think they also wanted to get away from the all the pro government stuff that was such a big part of the show earlier on especially with it being in the same world as freeland and everything that means for the you know the the political situation in the country and and on earth prime but uh what's her job gonna be she's gonna need a job so she can't just superhero in the bunker all the time they don't have a friendly millionaire who's just gonna give them a bunch of money anymore so I, and I don't yeah. think John's a detective or a PI or whatever. Yeah, he's supposed to be. <laughs> We're just supposed to think about it. And yeah. I'm very willing to do that for a lot of stuff. But and, and I'm also very excited for Alex getting things to do. Yes, me too. But I'm not actually all that hopeful that this will mean she gets stuff to do. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see, but... Yeah, I like I liked the stuff with Wynn. I thought they ended up really using Jeremy Jordan well. Um, it I I didn't need most of it, but it was it was a fun two parter for what it's worth. Um, and I mean, I would not have picked give Wynn closure with his dad as like important things to do this season, 
but yeah. sure, why not? Uh, and that way they can always, you know, if they want to bring it back again, they'll have to come up with something new to do, I guess. But, you know, this was fun. Clearly it worked for a couple episodes. Like the energy and the vibe was fun. I did really not like that Wynn and Kara got the last moment together. I really thought it should have been Wynn and Alex. Um, but I think so too. Yeah. They continue to underserve Alex. It is, it is known. Um, other, elsewise, I mean, I think having uh, Brainiac be in charge of the DEO is an interesting choice and could lead to some potential promising things. But it's just the fact that we know and care so little about everything, like the, all the mind control stuff that's going on in the background with um, the the lenses. I don't care about any of it. Um, all the uh, the Leviathan stuff is stupid. So it's just a lot of... We've got we've got Leviathan right where we want them. We've got the Luthers right where we want them, and it's just like I, no one cares. No one cares. <laughs> no one cares. So yeah, we'll see. I, it's sad to say that I, I mean I do really enjoy the, the our heroes. I like all uh-huh. our heroes. And also, where, where is Nia? What is she doing? I would like to spend time with Nia. But I mean, just the stuff it, it is such a dramatic contrast where we were last season at this time and where we are yes. this season because last season at this time it was one of the best cw shows yes and this season at this time it's a complete another mess um yeah, yeah. so ellipses it's ellipses. disappointing yeah it's sad when i can say the flash a girl named sue had several villains more interesting than anything happening at supergirl because the flash is not known for good villains uh, not yet, anymore. They were in season one. Gosh darn it! <laughs> only in season, only in season one. Uh, I continue to enjoy when Ultraviolet comes back. I continue to enjoy everything um, that we're getting, like that we get with the different Wellses that, or potential. I think the way the execution is stupid, but the promise of future Wellses I think is good. Um, I like the way they played around with comic book lore to give a somewhat. Like nemesis, but also, you know, clearly future love interest with Sue. I thought that was really fun. There's a lot to enjoy here. Um, but I think the main thing after your thoughts on all of that is we got to talk about Mirror Universe and yes. what's happening over there. So what did you think about a girl named Sue? And uh, did you appreciate the you know, titular Sue? I really did enjoy the uh, Sue uh, there. I mean, the Sue Dearborn, Dearborn thing has been a little bit of runner for the show. Um, so I liked it. I liked the sort of like twisty nature of it. Um, and that actor just brings a lot of really, really kind of perfect energy to play off of Dibney as a character of like, no, you very firmly fit into this world in, th- in this kind of a world uh, with elongated man and everything. So I really, really enjoyed it. Um I don't necessarily need it to tie into the black hole like plot, but also this is our arc for the rest of the season is the black hole. Uh, so I think all of that is like fine. And I think like bring those elements together is good, but I also was just like sort of like with Leviathan and Obsidian, I'm just like, I don't care yet. Um, but and what I do sort of care about and I'll like this segues us into the mirror universe is the way in which it centralizes um, Iris, I think is really, really good and important. Um, and TV guide who's been doing a TV guide.com who has been doing a black superhero, like big monthly spread this uh, month uh, talked with Candace Patton and 
one of their big things that they did is that Iris West is like allowed to be black finally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really, really good piece, and it's in no small part because Eric Wallace, who's now currently the showrunner on Flash, is a black man. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, yeah, no, that that noodle dish is definitely a thing. No, mm-hmm. no, it's not. It's not. It's not. Um, so now we're going to do a cookout, and we're going to have these sorts of things here to be like, no, they're they're black people. They have a tradition. And so I, and I think like a lot of it that comes down to the centralization of Iris West, um, in some extent prior to this season with all the blood work, not prior to this season, but with the blood work arc, but really especially here with her investigating Black Hole and then getting st- stuck into this mirror universe thing that was really interesting and really cool, I think, um, just allows her to be much more central to the plot than I feel like she has been at any point. And I'm really excited about that because A, Candace Patton is fantastic and she has been since day one on this show. Um, even when they were giving her really bad material to play, she was always really, really good. But now that they're giving her much better material with, no, I can help everyone just not bury in Team Flash. And I remember how these things work. Okay, no, but don't give up. And I, so I really like her whole thing with um, Eve McCullough. Um Plus that on top of the whole, oh, a, 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 a major business person's wife is just missing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I wonder what this is referencing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I I really like the Mirror Universe stuff. I thought it was really good. I like the concept of it. And I like that this idea of a mirror double of Iris running around with Barry and Barry not knowing is also just really delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really, I'm really, I'm really interested in seeing what happens from the fallout of that. So how did you feel about the mirror universe stuff? I'm enjoying it. I think it's been good so far. My only qualm is that I think everything we've been getting with mirror Iris in the real world has been really terrific material yes. examining her psychology, like where iris is at and this these different things that she's gone through and so if they just go oh it was an evil doppelganger the whole time it's going to be really frustrating yeah i'm I'm hoping for instead more of like a split of the same person that needs to be merged back in um because that would make a lot more sense because it's just like oh we're finally talking about like what it has meant to just live with the specter of barry's inevitable death like with a specific time and date and and all these different things we're gonna deal with that fallout but not with our actual character (laughs) it's just frustrating so i'm hoping that it's not there are a few shots that are like playing to the camera like evil reactions and stuff that i'm hoping will like are 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 mislead i guess but I, I like everything we get in the mirror universe itself i like the 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 things like you said that this is giving ken ken's play the things that this is giving Kenneth Patton to play because she's always really terrific, and uh, yeah, it's just it's it's fun, and I'm sure that there's a lot more headed our way. But this is the kind of villainy I'm more interested in is yeah. like things that are centered on our characters, things that are uh, obstacles that might not even have a you know an, an ominous evil uh like cause or solution. I don't care about black hole, <laughs> but yeah. I do care about Iris being trapped you know, in another, in another plane of existence, trying to get back to her, to her life. So that's a, you know, more interesting way to do the oh so tired. Someone on your team is actually the bad guy. Right. 
that they keep doing in the flesh. Right, which they can't keep doing. So mm-hmm. stop. <laughs> yeah. Stop it. Stop it, Flash. Do you have any other thoughts on Flash? Uh, no. Like you said, the Wells stuff is, I think, good, but I'm also hoping it, like, reinforces. No, Earth 2 still exists, everyone. There is yeah. a new show coming with it. Yeah. Everyone's alive. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, well, let's head out of the CW and head over to BBC America because we have Doctor Who, The Haunting of Villa Diodati. And this is the Doctor and the Companions hang out with Mary Shelley um, on the night Frankenstein. And Lord wrote. Byron, who my partner and I immediately pegged. It's just like, that guy's Byron right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so what did, you, what did you think of this episode? Oh, it's so good. Like... Mm-hmm. It's really good. Um, like, it has all the hallmarks of something that I was going to enjoy. Like, it's creepy. It's got a good historical stuff. It feeds on, like, a number of different things from the summer, the year without summer, uh, which is an actual thing. Like, this isn't something that they just made up for the episode. This was actually something that happened in um, the 1860s. Massive, uh, uh, massive... Right, volcanic eruption right yeah, yeah yeah so like there was a year with the summer so there were massive uh famines and crop yeah. failures and it was it was yeah. the whole thing so yeah. do some re- like do some googling check it out it's fascinating yeah. stuff it's really interesting um those kinds of like severe weather phenomenons are really interesting anyway so but then ascribing it to cybermen or, or a cyberman instead of like a volcanic eruption i also think is just delightful um it's very who uh, but I think just the whole episode, I think, is both really good in a sense of we're going to do this creepy story that really kind of, I think, comes together really nicely by the end when they finally find Shelley, um, Percy. And then this finally paying off, not finally, because it feels like it's barely been any time, um, Jack's don't give the Cyberman what he wants type of thing of like... Th- I think comes into play really nicely here, but then it's also the fact that the Cyberman's just so perfect, Kate, Mm -hmm. like this whole, all right, we're going to do the Frankenstein episode. So it makes sense to have a Cyberman, but then we're going to really play up the Frankenstein nature of Frankenstein monsters way of Cyberman of we're going to see the body. We're going to see that he's, his armor is not like complete. So there's cloth, leather stuff still visible. And, but his teeth are silver. And it's just like, all of this is very good and like this whole kind of rusted Cyberman, decaying Cyberman stuff. Both I think does a really good job of making this making the Cyberman sort of uncanny in a lot of ways, which I really appreciate. Um, but humanizing them and then making them more dangerous in all of that process. So I think the episode works really well. It's very silly as well. There's plenty of really, I think, solid jokes, um, particularly the fact that no one believes that Graham saw ghosts that gave him a sandwich. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is good. We don't need this joke in this episode. But I'm glad it's here because, again, we And I'm we glad love it Graham. centers on the sandwiches. <laughs> yes. So I really, really like this episode. I thought it was really fun and genuinely kind of scary. But also, as you know and other listeners know, I love Cybermen a great deal. Um, so this episode made me very happy and I'm very excited about the two part finale that's coming up. Um, but I'm going to stop talking. What did you think about this episode as, you know, you? Yeah, no, I, I thought it was super fun. Uh, nice and spooky. The haunted house, you know, approach worked really well. The fact that 
all the rich people get to live and all the servants get killed, I think is bullshit yeah. and should have been more oh, addressed. That good, good butler. Like, that guy was dedicated and deserved much better. <laughs> Just like, we're not going to talk about the, the nurse getting killed? You know, like... Uh, the the show does that too much because when yeah. it travels in time for historicals, the people that they're visiting are inevitably very uh, famous and rich and successful, right? And, and with the with the odd exception of like your Van Gogh, who at the time you know that they visit him is is in obscurity, but yeah. most of the time when they are dealing with historicals, so people that as the audience were f- supposed to be familiar with. They're never poor, <laughs> and yeah. so they can't die. <laughs> so it's or not all... historical, like with the instance of that guy in the plastic episode. Yeah, who exactly. Got devoured by the birds, and we never mention him ever. We again. never mention him ever again. Yeah, and so to have um, the fact that it's always you know it's always the help who are you know yeah. who are not given much attention or care as they as they die conveniently off screen. Don't think about them um, is gets increasingly frustrating um and i get why they're doing it because they're trying to raise the stakes and everything but i don't think you needed but you can raise stakes without people dying yeah yeah or you just don't even have them there they don't need to nobody needed to die for me to be scared of the cybermen right anyways um i thought it was very spooky i thought it was very atmospheric uh the costuming the angles the the way it was shot right the lighting it all came together effectively um as for, I, mean, I don't think they earned the ending at all. No, they don't. <laughs> when the doctor is giving her spiel about, you know, why why we can't let anything happen to Percy Shelley. It's like, you didn't, you're not worried about the the nurse or the butler dying, changing the timeline. So, who, so who's, who's important? Who, who's allowed to die? Whose life matters and whose life is completely disposable? That's this does not fit with Doctor Who's morality. The shows what the show's morality and the doc, the character's morality is supposed to be, um, or it's a, a completely unexamined part of it. That's very frustrating. Um, it's just we need this to happen for our plot. So yeah. we're gonna give the Doctor. I mean, Jodie Whittaker tries her best, but we're gonna give the Doctor a half-assed explanation for why they're doing a thing that's very out of character and why like i mean it just really makes the the use of jack all the more potent because as the audience like just again go back onto youtube search up react videos the doctor who audience loves jack because he's the best jack is awesome (laughs) and so having the doctor ignore jack's dire warning is so much more potent than just like a, a vague thing and so when these companions like we only hung out with this guy for like 10 minutes and even we are like this guy seems like he knows what he's doing and we should listen to him um so he yeah. kept rolling nat 20s on his charisma checks what do you want us to one. do doc very <laughs> cheesy but very effectively you know winning the, the, the arguments every time um so i think a lot's going to come down to how they land the season, how they stick their yeah. landing. Um, I'm optimistic with the way things have been going. Um, but if I just like hand wave away, the, 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 the doctor's choices are stupid at the end of the episode. I really enjoyed the episode. <laughs> I enjoyed everything else about it. And, you know, I, I'm very comfortable with, well, this is what the plot needs to happen. It's just normally they don't do that with the doctor. Normally they do that with other characters yeah. who are not our hero. So yeah, that's my only, that's my only, hesitation with this one i think that's super fair i think that's super duper fair well what wins your week in tv this week 
tough um i do want to shout out the unicorn um a nicole byers was on and yeah. that was great uh b everything that they're doing with forest forest's unemployment is like too real and is hitting me really close to home and i'm struggling to deal with it <laughs> it's just like it's very funny but at the same time i'm just like oh i'm too fresh in this uh since i'm about to be underemployed again by next week yay yay um um, so that that was good, but it was good though. Um, also, great use of Donald Logue. Um, um, Superstore was also really, really good as they continue to interrogate what is work um, in today's world. And so I really liked um, Employee App. Um, so, and we did not discuss Legends of Tomorrow, but Tala Ash continues just to be great. And I really love Zari 2.0, but also the way in which they're slowly building to zari getting her memories back i think is also really really good and i'm excited for everyone to watch next week's episode which is directed by katie lots and is also very good um it's also why she's not in this episode <laughs> yeah no she was busy doing pre-production on next week's episode and it's also why she's not in next week's episode um so i think i think i give it to doctor who this season for this week yeah i feel confident with that yeah doctor who this week um yeah what about you I'm a little torn between last week tonight, uh-huh. Legends, and in Doctor Who. I did really like Doctor Who. Um, I'll give it. I'll give it to Legends. Okay. I thought that as a way of examining loneliness and isolation, whether you know surrounded by people or by yourself, it worked really well. And I really like what they're setting up with Constantine. Um, so so and and everything around that corner of the show it's a really smart way to isolate your cast or yeah. and and give all the corners of your cast enough things to be exploring when you've got such a big ensemble so i think it's, that's working really well and people tackled the headless marie antoinette that had a flame gun yeah so, you that's know. always gonna be fun i'm here yeah. for that i'm always here for that uh now we'll take a break listen to a trailer for cheer season one or well just cheer for now it has not been renewed for a season two that we know so far over at netflix and come back with our season spotlight or a dvd shelf on cheer they've won the grand championship several times they could beat anybody country come here to cheer for monica navarro where is it located zoom in where i guess i'm going there my goal was to be the best cheer program in the country we only compete once for two minutes and 15 seconds in daytona that it may be your last time in your career you are a freaking navarro cheerleader it's definitely a privilege we have kids that come from broken home or troubled past. I kind of lost myself. If I wouldn't have came here, I'd be sitting in a jail cell right now. I hold things in because I feel like I'll be judged sometimes. In my head, I just feel like I'm never good enough for people. Your own brother is turning on you, jumping you. They were trying to beat him into a man. They would make me feel like I was not a part of the family. Those are my kids. I'll fight tooth and nail for them. She knows how to produce. Do it again. She is a beast. Oh. You work so hard your entire life for a moment. Do it again. If you want to be one of the top teams at the competition, you have to step it up. Do what you are here to do. Leave the legacy you want to leave behind. What we're reaching for, it's 
It's insane. You keep going until you get it right, and then you keep going until you can't get it wrong. Whoever thought of chucking someone into the air and seeing how many times they can flip? That person is psychotic. But yeah, I'm the crazy person that does it. You can. You can. You will. You will. We must. We must. Let's get it. That was a trailer for Netflix's Cheer, which is a six-episode docu-series uh, following an elite cheerleading team at a junior college in Texas. It's Navarro College, and they this is a team that in the 24 years that they've had their current coach has won 14 national championships, uh, won their division at, at the national level 14 times out of 20 times that they have contended. So... Damn. Um, the, we are not anything approaching sports knowledgeable here at the Televerse. We are certainly not cheer experts in any way. Um, but everybody, y'all been talking about this so much. That I was like, let's check this out. Let's see what it was. I didn't realize it was a docuseries. I didn't realize it was six episodes. Uh, I thought I was in for, like, because I know there's also, like, a dramatic cheer show that you had talked about at the beginning of the year, Noel. So I thought it was similar to one of those. I And I still prefer this. <laughs> so I actually ended up really enjoying cheer. What, what did you think? Um, So, like, listeners, like, this premiered, like, January 8th or something. So, yes, we're a little late. Um... I think it's fine. Um, I think there are a number of elements that I really, really like in it that I really enjoy. Um, but I also think that it's six episodes long and there's a number of things in it that they don't interrogate at all. And it really kind of makes a lot of problems for me in terms of watching the, watching it, um, which maybe in a second season they dig into, maybe not because they may want to continue access to this program. But I think that there's still... Stuff worth watching here, but like the big my big takeaway from it, and I left this in my notes, is that I just don't get team sports. Like I just don't. <laughs> it's really hard for me. Um, and I also have always struggled with things like team spirit, or like I just generally struggle with that kind of like patriotism type thing, whether it's for country, for the school you're in, that kind of a thing. I just I don't get it. I just don't get it. And I've been very bad at it. Um, so in a lot of ways, like that kind of a dedication to something is something that is, especially like an institution type of deal, um, has always been something that's kind of difficult for me to grasp. Um, so that is a barrier for me when watching something like this. Um, and so it just, I just kind of go, I just feel like Monica's just brainwashing you, except she's not, but I feel like she is, but she's not. <laughs> um, so it's one of those things, but I think that this is still sort of worth seeking out if you're interested. I do think that the first episode does a little too much of cheerleading is serious. And it's like, no, it is. Like, I've seen enough cheerleading <laughs> in terms of, like, snippets of, like, competitive cheerleading to know, no, that, that shit's dangerous, and the people who are doing it are really, really strong and could break me in half or also are just in better shape than I am. But literally anyone is almost in better shape than I am. Um, so I think it's good. I, th I like it. I just think that there are a number of elements that I think that the series does not push against enough that I find really kind of troubling. Um, but we can dig into those. Um, so kind of where do you want to start with cheer? Well, let's start with, you know, this is a show that I, and, and uh, a docuseries that I can really connect with, mm -hmm. because as a performer, 
I, as a musician, I completely understand what it means to work for six months for two minutes. And you're only going to get those two minutes. And hopefully if you like for as a, you know, like an audition or something for as a performer, if you do well in those two minutes, then in the classical world, then you get to play for another, try the next round and do another, you know, as you're trying to get a job. But like the notion of, you know, like I was watching this first episode and I had heard little rumblings. I watched the SNL sketch that they did about cheer, which I'm going to go rewatch after I have now seen the show um, about just like how, I mean, intense is not a strong enough word. Um, uh, demanding, I guess maybe Monica demanding, yeah. is. And, uh, and I was watching this first episode and she talks about, yeah, no, what you, we do it until they get it right. You don't stop until you get it right. And then you yeah. don't stop until you can't get it wrong. And I was like, yeah, that's what you do. Yeah. Oh, is that controversial? Is that like harsh? Cause that's, that's what you have to do. It's the only way you can possibly do it. Now, granted in what I do in the, classical music or something like that you aren't going to injure yourself um the way that these athletes constantly do um i i have had students give themselves tendonitis and carpal tunnel the way they do that is by not listening to me and not listening to their bodies (laughs) because literally no the number one rule in my studio is is if it hurts stop yeah so like you know not like i'm tired but like i my i hear i feel stabbing pain it's like okay no now stop don't don't make it worse um so like there's the obviously a, a massive difference there but this is what it takes to do to succeed at performance of any kind and yes. so i could really just like we talked about with with um the 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 the, the dance moms no not dance mom, what's it called the Alyssa edwards docuseries yeah. following following yeah, justin yeah. like i yeah, can connect no, dance moms is correct yeah dance moms is correct okay um I could super connect with elements of that as yeah. a teacher and as a performer. I could, in the same way, connect with thing, a lot of things here. And, and uh, you know, I could see elements of how I approach teaching in both of those shows. And then also things that I completely strongly, very strongly disagree with. <laughs> but um, sure. but it, so because of that, it was it was interesting for me on that level. Um, but it, I agree that it absolutely does not care to interrogate some significant issues it, i think it that stuff is there it's not hiding that no but it doesn't but, engage with it, it, it it's yeah. requiring you as the viewer to basically indict monica yourself so when yeah. you have like half of your your fly like your top girls your flyers getting injured on your team with doing the same stunt maybe the problem is you got to change the stunt because you're injuring yeah. all your people. But that's never a question that's never considered. That's never something that is presented as how much culpability does Monica have in this? Or and, the school. Or the school or the doctors, right? Yeah. Um, and that's something that you're absolutely right. They are not going to examine in a meaningful upfront way and m- maintain access to this team. Yeah. When they were bringing back alumni or alumni were coming in, they were talking with them. I was very curious how many alumni uh, don't interact with this program anymore, very, very uh, deliberately. And we're definitely not going to hear from them. I was also noticing like, wow, we're talking to a lot of alumni that are male. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And some, some women, but 
Yeah. But yeah. But yeah. Most pro- most prominently. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, listeners, if you haven't watched it yet, they talk about this in the show. Cheerleading is the number one cause of female athlete catastrophic injuries uh, in the country. And that means paralyzed or like brain, like neck and back and spine core, spine damage. One woman had five concussions. That's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. And it's not treated like they, they, they all say it very seriously, but then they, nobody follows it up with, and that's why they need to change the sport of cheerleading. So this can't happen the way that conversations around catastrophic injuries in football invariably prompt conversations of we shouldn't do football or at least we shouldn't do it the way we do in this country anymore because of all this evidence we have about the the long-term impact uh, specifically for the brain and they they have no they have no interest in examining that here right i feel like they don't bring up like that kind of a concept of what this means health-wise for people Mm -hmm. um like no, please go talk to someone about what it means to have five concussions, because please put that into context for your viewers. Don't just leave it with, oh, yeah, no, I've had about five concussions. And it's just like, no, no. Or go talk to ex-cheerleaders who yeah. are 30 and can't move, you know, like who yeah. have severe arthritis or go like they're they're definitely out there. Go talk yeah. to people and, and those who still love the sport would not yes. trade their choices and those who, you know, feel differently about it. Yeah. So I think that that's sort of like one corner of the show that I was just frustrated with, especially when they do take pains to contextualized cheerleading as cheer does in terms of we're going to have some bits about like the overall history of it and when it was kind of popularized in this other type of more competitive form not just the sidelines type stuff Mm -hmm. which they go out of their way to really differentiate from which i think is good and also interesting that again this is also something that doesn't quite get interrogated as well um that divide really then just like take that additional step basically of all right so what does that mean (laughs) when people have had five concussions or given the medical stats what does that mean for them like there's a lot of discussion around the show and in within the show itself of you do this for two years basically uh given that navarro is a junior college um and then it's you don't get anything else like there's no there's not a professional version of this there's a collegiate level and that's it. So what are you doing after this? And I think that that's another element that, again, like there's a way to seg into other discussions that, again, because of their focus, that they don't do that. Um, but at the same time, it's like apparently it's become coaches mm-hmm. <laughs> or run gyms yourself that do um, the um, the all-star type stuff. Um and then, like, that's it. So what's the next thing? And then they give us Gabby. So we should talk about Gabby, I guess, a little bit. And how much she, but also very particularly her parents, are just the, just her parents, really, are just the worst. Just yeah. the worst, like, pageant parents on steroids type of stereotype stuff that's just hard and difficult and terrible to swallow how how did like all the gabby stuff play for you the thing that that initially stuck out to me besides the fact that obviously she's very good at what she does yeah um 
is that when Monica, it really undermines Monica, I think, early in the show. Because mm-hmm. Monica is very clear. She sets up her priorities and she sets up her expectations. And then Gabby's not at, at practice and that's fine. Because yes. Gabby is Gabby. famous. <laughs> and Gabby is doing lots of other things. She's on tour. She's doing magazine shoots. She's doing product placement. She's helping out a different team. And because she's Gabby, it's fine. Yes. And that kind of special treatment is very much not the brand of Monica and the Navarro team is a, you know, that's how that kind of a, a organization works is you have to, in a team sport like that, it can't be about the, the star. It's got to be about the whole, there has to be a unity and a cohesion and a trust. Um, uh, and in putting the team over yourself for something like this, especially with how easy it is to get injured in some, doing something like this, you have to trust your teammates. And so we, when we're first like really introduced to the team, Gabby's not there. And then she later shows up and is just fabulous and really good at what she does. And so it's no trouble. Um, but that was the first thing that, that, that peaked to me about that, like stood out to me about, about Gabby. And then obviously her parents uh, do not come across all that well. Yeah, they get a terrible edit. Um, yeah, but I do get the sense that they love their daughter and that they are doing their best and that this is, like, I mean, I don't get a sense that they are trying to harm their daughter or just, like, cash her in for paychecks or anything like that so much as they come off as, uh, like, a little desperate because they know they're at the end of yeah. what all this means and they're anxious about what comes next and they're trying to, to like, pivot into... What is, I mean, what are they going to do? But also, what is their daughter going to do now that her, like, her, her, um, light, her, what is, what is the, Logan's run, light on her, on her hand is blinking, you know? Um, and so I think that they, you know, they don't come off all that well. But I do think that the, that the documentary did a good job of, I mean, I didn't get the sense that she was being manipulated or, exploited in the way that you do in some of these other pageant mom kind of shows. Yeah. And I think that's fair. But I think that there's also like this heavy push of a, um, I think, no, I really like your description of the, like the desperation of it, I think is really kind of accurate. And also just their overwhelming frustration with the fact that she seems checked out. Mm -hmm. Um, and also that her checked outness may be connected to them. Yeah. Like, down to, like, her, like, sister being like, I need you to do this. I need you to do this. Um, I've, like, my life is your life. I need you to do this. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Gabby's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah. Okay. There's some clear, like, there's some, well, what what comes across as, because like, we don't know these people, what comes across yeah. as delayed adolescence here, because yes. she's someone who's been working and like working professionally at a professional capacity as far as like as a, a spokesperson as a model as a athlete vlogger vlogger all yeah youtuber she was an early youtube star um her entire like adolescence and then and then young adulthood and yeah. and so like there's like a like a teenage like high school kind of mom kind of disinterested kind of thing in yeah. very natural tension and pulling away from her parents and who have been omnipresent in her life because that's the only way you could do what she's done is if you have yeah. a team supporting you and they have been that team um 
and so now it's just like and they don't know how to handle all of that and maybe she doesn't either it's just like this notion of they talk about how she's basically like the head of a corporation of her own brand and has been for so long and there's never a discussion of like and is that a good is that a good thing for yeah. a teenager or early 20 something like is that a good thing for them to have been a business since they were 12 yeah like younger i think it's like eight or nine yeah but yeah 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 no again like there's not a discussion about that um which is like just there's not a discussion about that it's like one of the the thing i keep going to with this show um so i kept waiting for like more stuff about varsity uh because i was just like oh you're evil and delightful and i want to talk about all of this yeah listeners varsity is the corporation that uh runs cheerleading competitive cheerleading in the United yeah, States. varsity brands um yeah. which is now owned by bain capital so that's fun mm-hmm. um so i think that just like all of that concept too we're not going to allow you to bring a camera crew in and it's just like we have iPhones, you asshole. So you realize that everyone, you, this is a competition completely filled with young people, right? They will yeah. all be filming, filming everything. It just yeah. won't look and, as good. And also, we can film everything because we also have iPhones. <laughs> yeah. Just let us in. It's like, nah. And it's just like, okay. But I kind of need like more about like varsity brands because that was just amazing and horrifying and also just speaks to again like the commodification of sports and this kind of idea of who's making money off these college athletes guess who (laughs) it's not the athletes um so i think that's something else like that they don't really dive into but it feeds into this concept of what do they do after this and what do they do after this they they're not making any money right now they're doing it because they care about monica and what this team means kind of a concept mm-hmm. um but and because also, they love it and because they love it and i think that's really important and that they it functions as a found family type mm-hmm. of deal for a number of people which this um series drives home really really hard um and i think generally really appropriately um so yeah how did you feel about some of the other sort of narratives like with ladarius and jerry in particular as like how cheer provides them with a found family kind of a deal, um, an outlet and all of that. Well, I thought that the, pretty much all, everybody that they let us get to know um, or that they f- followed for a while and that we spent time with um, was interesting. And I thought the portraits were, you know, there there is a theme, obviously, that the producers were going for uh, of overcoming adversity and and uh, abuse and neglect and difficult home lives and and trauma in their past. Um, but I thought that the, I mean I thought overall overall the subjects really were interesting. They're interesting people with interesting backgrounds and and had you know it was a it was a successful and compelling way look at like a team of very different people united not just by cheer but by the circumstances that led them to make the choices that allowed them to be in this position to be on the team. You know what I mean? The kind of people, the kind of personalities who are willing to to do what it takes to compete at any sport at this high of a level and what it means for them. Um, so I thought that they were all really compelling. I, I mean, I'll single out Jerry just because he's awesome. But also uh, because he's from Naperville, and that is where I teach. That okay. school district, that high school, that that's the school district I teach in. So when they're talking about like 
these gyms are really expensive. I'm like, oh, yeah, and in Naperville. Yeah. That, like, for listeners who don't know, Naperville, Illinois is where the Chicago Symphony goes when they want to raise some money. Like, okay. they they will take the CSO and tour over, over to Naperville to raise, because, like, they have the most people who are donors and, like, so in that area, um, in anywhere in the Chicagoland area. So there's a lot of money in Naperville. So those gyms, when they're talking about those gyms being elite, yeah, yeah. They, they don't mess around about competitive sports and um, about or just like even like things like your spelling bee, your GOB, your, your science fair, like like all of those. If you are into an activity in this area, it is very expensive to, to really compete at a level to do all the things that you have to do to be competitive with your peers. Um, so when Jerry and his like when he was talking about his mom not having very much money, but figuring it out so he could always continue to cheer and be involved in these things um i was and then they're like they're illinois i was like oh shit they weren't kidding yeah yeah (laughs) um so it was just it was just very interesting on that on that level i thought that the people that we we met around him were really interesting very compelling very uh like you know it's it's very it was a very it's a very emotional arc um you get a sense of just he just seems like such a good person and when he gets at the end spoiler alert when he gets a scholarship completely separate from any of his cheer abilities it's just it warms your heart and like they kind of walk past the fact that he's maintained a 4.0 while being on the number one cheer team in the country for junior college division that's not nothing that's that's huge um so i thought that he was very much the the heart of um the season along with um you know, because like, Monica is maybe the brain, but Jerry's the heart. And you know those producers were very happy when the different people were were injured enough that Jerry was able to be on mat for the end because it makes for a much more heartwarming season than he's really great. He just can't tumble. and The other guys can tumble. So though we love him, he's not going to ever break through. I, of course, did not know that about Neighborville. And thank you for providing that context. That's really, really interesting. Um no, thank you. I really like that. Um, yeah, I, I think that those kinds of stories like Jerry's and Ladarius's are just really sort of well laid out. Um, and this idea that th- it built up to this and this is it. But also I was very excited about like the scholarship thing with Jerry. And it was just like, yes, good. Yeah. All right. Yay. You got, you had, you kept a 4.0. Here's a t-shirt. And it's like, Fuck you, school. <laughs> it's a really good way to like recognize and incentivize our, our athletes. And it's like, it's a t-shirt. And also the person with the 3.3 got the same t-shirt. Yeah. Not to like say 3.3 is bad or anything, especially for someone who's spending all of their time in practice. But like a 4.0 a is 4. a 4.0. 0. Yes. And he's going to the same practices. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's much more impressive. Um. <laughs> What did you think about, and this is sort of like the last kind of like niggling point that really kind of bugged me that the, sh- that the documentary does not engage with, is what did you think about th- when Monica's sort of being like, there's a look, there's oh, a yeah. concept, and the entirety of the documentary just does not engage that concept. And they provide like a historical sort of context yeah, um, for it, and it's like, that's fine show, 
But also, Mm -hmm. so how do you like respond to that as a, like a viewer of like, yeah, no, like I have a really like specific look, especially for like my flyers and top girls and type stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, no, I've noticed. In fact, I've noticed a lot of things about the makeup of your team um, on a number of different levels, Monica. Yeah. Um, Maybe you want to I like the top girls to look like me. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Let's talk about that, Monica. Let's engage. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, no, we don't have time for that. Oh, I'm, I am think you do have time for that show. Um, but yeah, like, it's super, it's super weird that there's just, like, not a discussion about this in any way, shape, or form, or, like, a contextualization of, like, what this is and what this means and the, like, I just, I'm just going to say it, the baked-in racism mm-hmm. <laughs> of yeah. how this works. Because, yeah, there, there are a number of people of color who, number of women of people of color who are on the squad. Yeah. However, however, yeah, they don't have the look. Yeah, they don't have the look. And especially when she mentions that Morgan was put on the team, not based on her skill, but based on her potential. Yes. And that implies that there are other people that, that tried out who are better than her who were not given a spot, who were not given the opportunity to to see what they could do. And and, that, and just based on her look and her physical appearance. Um, yeah. And, the, I mean, that's not on Morgan. That's not anything. That's not her fault. So, you know, that's not how she just has, she got the spot and has done what she can with it. But that is very indicting, I would say, of Monica. The other thing I'm wondering if you noticed, did you notice all of the brainwashed double speak around body weight and health that the women are when when they're when they're weighing themselves listeners i was nodding really emphatically when yeah. they're weighing themselves and be like yeah no we have it's important that we just you know, we we are healthy and we take care of our bodies and we respect our bodies as they're making sure that they're under 100 pounds that they're like 96 um pounds and, and everything and like when they're talking about about that it's just so loaded. The language that those that those women use is incredible. Like you are in insane shape. You are in, like, and to be like, yeah, we're gonna be on national TV with our abs exposed. I am not eating carbs because I need to. I want to have a six pack, and that picture that's going to be on the wall of the school for forever. That is perfectly fine. I'm not judging that at all. But just the language that they're using is all like this. It's not about appearance. It's about health. It's about whether I'm being healthy to my body and respecting my body and taking care of my body so that I can be healthy. It's like, you can eat a cheeseburger, lady, and still be healthy. Yeah. and <laughs> It's not about that. It's about you have to be thin or you have to be not heavy because people have to throw and care and catch you. So they want you to be as light as possible for that reason, regardless of whether it's actually healthy for you. And second of all, because there is a look. Yeah. And I do think that there's, like, an interesting, at least with, like, Lexi, where Lexi's like, yeah, I mean, I do, but also, I'm going to eat this hamburger. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, a very distinct, and it also has to do with um, their, class en- and their, like, class yeah. and their en- but also their energies and their, their personalities and the ways in which they are very confident and the ways in which they are very insecure. Because Lexi right. has lots of insecurities, too, yes. but they're just different than what we yes. see with Morgan and some of the other flyers. Yeah. Yeah, well, and Morgan's not a flyer. She's a... Tumbler. Tumbler, right. And and a stunter, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I picked up on that as well. And it's just like, yeah, no. But also, again, you shouldn't compete if you're hurt or injured or, like, 
which feeds into this kind of a concept of health and well-being in terms of your weight, presentation, look, and all of that kind of stuff. I think that that's just really telling that, again, there's not a huge amount of pushback on it. And I think that there's just too much reliance on the audience needing to do that legwork, mm-hmm. um, where it's easier to do that than go talk to someone else and present that. Um, and I get it. Again, like this boils down to a desire to maintain access. Um but I think it's just it's just really frustrating. Um, and that the contextualization of that, but also like the way in which like the school is generally very complicit in it is also just really, really frustrating um, that there's no push from that as well. So, yeah, I think that there's just a lot of like interesting sort of like stuff here. Um, but like the fuller interrogation of like, all right, what does it mean for all these people who have basically come from like large cities to come to this tiny, really conservative Texas town where they're, where one of their teachers like gives, all right, let's talk about Texas stereotypes. And also they're all true. (laughs) It's just like, no, let's, let's not do that because a number of your students aren't going to feel safe. I feel like this is a thing that you're not engaging with. And also, maybe you should engage with this, Navarro, Mm -hmm. and think about this a bit more. (laughs) Yeah. That class that we see briefly about Texas history is, uh, that little scene is, is, and I think the documentarians are aware. Yes. Are very aware, like you said, yeah, of that. Um, cause they're just like, just like, we're gonna hold on the teacher saying all of these things and being like, yay, President Trump and marriages between a man and a woman. That's what people tend to think here. And then we're just gonna like pan over to our queer black character. Yeah. Uh, who's just like, okay, this is a class I am required to take. Awesome. Yeah. It's just, it's not great. And I, I appreciate like the cat, the audience sort of acknowledgement of that, but it's also a wait, but how did the student feel about that? Yeah. The student wasn't going to talk about it. Just like none of the students were going to say anything. Like you can tell that they're, they're pretty calm and, and, and relaxed on camera, but they're yeah. also very aware they're being filmed. They're not going to say yeah. anything negative about Monica. They're not going to say anything negative about the program. Yeah. While this, while it's being, this is being filmed. While they were easy with the camera and were relaxed in front of the camera, they were definitely only going to say certain things. So, yeah, yeah, it was interesting. I like, like I said earlier, I ended up really enjoying the documentary. Uh, I think uh, the some of the episodes are a little too long, but overall, I think six episodes. I was glad it wasn't more. I was yes. very pleasantly surprised it was only six episodes, but I thought it was compelling. Um, I think there's a lot there, and I really, I really enjoyed watching it. But I also felt comfortable examining those things myself and i didn't i felt like the show was aware of these or the series was aware of these issues um even even though it would have been nice to have them engage with it more critically and like ask tougher questions yeah and that's always sort of like a push with me with documentaries um and so i i always want that like little extra Mm -hmm. from the outside observers i don't always need a cinema verite sort of thing which is this is definitely not Mm -hmm. um but a more engaged documentarian i think is always almost always better but i think it's particularly better when you're dealing with something like this culture this subculture and like engage especially when people are potentially getting hurt or not potentially getting hurt are actually getting hurt definitely getting hurt and yeah. no one's doing anything about it. 
when the doctor's like, yeah, with the, the the one I think it's Morgan is says, yeah, the you know the the trainer said I should go to the emergency room after practice. It's like you, it's called the emergency room. It's not called the after another twenty thirty hour long minutes of of practice room. Uh, yeah, that's that's yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if if there is another season of this, what the blowback is, if any, to the public reaction, and and if there's any follow up on these issues or not. I suppose we'll see. Um, but I'm glad that we had this chance to talk about it. So thank you, Noel, for watching Cheer with thank me so you. we could discuss it. Um, a few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can email us at gmail.com. We are up uh, with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed in Apple Podcasts. And we're also available over on Stitcher. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews either place. And of course, we are both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Noel, you are? at Noel RK. Thank you so much for a great week, Kate. Thank you, Noel. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse.